Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Holidays are taking a toll. We're here for episode 78 and we're probably running on fumes. <laughs> oh man, that is the truth. Uh it was it was a great Thanksgiving, but shh, boy, it tires you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a good time though. That was a good one. Yes. We, it was uh, a little more subdued than normal, but just everything other than my appliances breaking was seemed to uh, <laughs> fall into place. Well, I a I got a lot of cooking done, and since we held it uh, at my niece's house, uh, I didn't have any cleaning up to do afterwards. So, you know that, that and plenty of good food. So that's a that was a that was that was happening. That was happy for me. Well, we still we're still plowing through the leftovers. You you didn't get any, so you had to you had to roast a duck. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that is exactly why I did that. Is because we took home. Actually, my my niece and her husband uh, were very gracious, and they made sure they had the disposable food containers so everybody (laughs) could go home with leftovers, but there still weren't a lot of them. Well, that's good. We had two turkeys and 31 people, and uh, so there weren't a ton of – other than than whole kernel corn, there wasn't a lot of leftovers – so yeah, I did roast a duck uh, uh, yesterday. In fact, uh, had had duck soup for dinner tonight. Well, enough about that. What's up in your model sphere, Dave? Well, uh, as as longtime listeners know, I refer to the period between Thanksgiving and the New Year as the dark time uh, because normally I don't get much modeling done. But I and I'm hoping this year's different. So far going well but what what i am able to do is modeling adjacent stuff like checking out new videos on youtube uh man the the amount of modeling content there is growing and good quality content uh you and i turned out we're watching the same guy's channel and yeah. neither one neither one of it has had, had mentioned it to the other and we both happened to be watching the guy's stuff uh, nearly the same time, but uh, uh, I've gotten uh, you know modeling adjacent stuff done. I've watched YouTube. Uh, I spent a couple of nights this weekend online with a bunch of other modelers uh, participating in Jim's seventy-two and seventy-two build, where a bunch of guys were trying to finish a completed seventy-second scale model in seventy-two hours over the holiday, and so that was a lot of. A lot of good model sphere adjacent time. Um, so I'm on an up note. I'm, you know, I I know the things that I'm facing with the holidays, but uh, I am still hopeful that I'm going to get stuff done. How about you? Well, I participated a little bit in the 72 for 72. And coincidentally, I was working on a 72 scale project at the time and uh, no hope of getting it done in 72 hours. But, uh, <laughs> Let's not forget that our friends over at the Plastic Posse podcast helped help put that together and pull that off. Yes. Uh, 
So Scott and company, good time, Jim. Good, great idea. Uh, have to look forward to whatever the next one happens to be, but yeah. way, way more going on in my model sphere than that. So uh, this time of year, pretty much, I won't say most households, maybe most households, but typically shortly after Thanksgiving, the Christmas decorations start going up in many households across yeah. the United States. Uh, so we're right there in the middle of that. My, my oldest son wouldn't have it any other way. So my job is typically to haul all the crap out and he puts it all up and I bring all the boxes back down to the basement. So my job's pretty easy these days, uh, which I really, really like. And it all went well and we got along good. No arguments. He, he knows where everything goes. He, he, in fact, he even has pictures of where it was last year. So <laughs> That's not a whole lot of deviation. Yeah, he's pretty organized. So, <laughs> But anyway... Uh, all that stuff is kept in our furnace room in the basement, which is a room that's just adjacent to my workshop area. So my stash is in there as well. So I took it upon myself to, well, first I laid down the law. I said, is everything out of there you want to decorate the house with? Yes. Okay. So everything in there that's Christmas that didn't get put up is leaving this house. <laughs> it is officially, it is dispositioned to garbage. So we got rid of some stuff. And I got my eye on quite a bit other things back there too. A lot of other stuff I got out of there too, threw it away. But while I was doing this declutter of the furnace room, trying to get some of that stuff out of there, else you're going to carry it around for the rest of your life, right? Right. Uh, I took a gander at the PE resin and metal accessories I've accumulated over the last few years, 38 years probably to be a little more precise. Yeah. Took a stroll down memory lane. Or more aptly, probably the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> the Boulevard <laughs> of Broken Dreams. I like that. Uh, Dave, this stuff is no longer aftermarket. We can't call it that anymore. <laughs> what are you, you going to call it instead? Laughter market. Laughter market. Okay. So I got into some of these boxes and I found stuff from cottage industries like Mole Valley Miniatures. K&K Castings, Ted Kaufman's Hobby Adventure, and some ancient MB models, resident white metal stuff. Well, see, now I remember the MB stuff. That's about the only one of those that you named that I that I actually remember. Yeah, well, I'll shoot some photos of this stuff and uh, put that on the dojo for, 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 for a laugh or two or three. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder though, just how, what percentage of all that stuff do you think ever gets built or got built? I, I think now aftermarket, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what the aftermarket or resin use rate is, but I thought that I read somewhere that under 50% of, mo of plastic model kits purchased actually get built. I bet the aftermarket's even lower rate than that. Oh, I would bet you're right. <laughs> oh, that's my model sphere, man. It's just, uh, huh? man, I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, you've got you've got many years ahead of you, and whatever whatever you don't end up ultimately using, Evan will get. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, you know what I ought to do with this? Just box it all up and send it north of the border. <laughs> Well, not all of it. Maybe there there has to be a couple of things that you came across that you went, yeah, I could really use that. Or I could still. Uh, yes, there's a lot of that. 
but the but the ones I mentioned, uh huh, with the exception of maybe some of the MB model stuff because some of that stuff's pretty good. Yeah, even to this day. But like this Ted Kaufman's Hobby Adventure, it it put it was for for adding all the missing road wheels to Tamiya's old Panther A kit. Ooh, wow! So that's pretty old. That's that's ancient. And uh, I'll summarize this other stuff at some point on the dojo. But man, yeah, I'm gonna send it to Evan. I'm gonna put his his address as the to and return to address. <laughs> there you go. On it, so it just never no, comes back. No better yet. You need to address it to his fiance <laughs> and put wedding present. <laughs> box it, box it up with a with with the fancy like a fancy gold silk. bow and white paper. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Ship it to her in that box. Then she opens it up. It's all, and she slaps Evan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that would Evan. I apologize. I I really did. Uh, so Mike, I, I'm sure that, uh, you have a modeling fluid, uh, what modeling fluid do you have? I'm putting down a little, the Russell's reserve 10 year again. That's what we had last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time it's a one for one water chaser, man. <laughs> I am holidayed out. Yeah. <laughs> this is only four day weekend. I mean, Christmas is going to be I, interesting. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm I'm actually similarly situated. I'm drinking a virgin highball. <laughs> it's like a Coke. <laughs> I'm drinking a Coke, and and the re and the reason is not 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 to make myself sound like I've just been on a four day bender, but there's plenty of of. Liquid refreshment over the last four days, celebrating with family and friends, and plenty of eating go along with it. And I'm feeling mighty, mighty sluggish. And uh, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a day and uh, just going to have a have a virgin highball. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I took yesterday off. <laughs> If we weren't uh, doing this, I'd probably take tonight off, but I didn't want to yeah. disappoint anybody. That's right. <laughs> but uh, so I'm pretty sure I know how the Virgin Highball is going to work out at the end, but we'll see. You might be disappointed. Well, we've got a nice little crop of listener mail, so we should probably just get on into that. Sounds good. Thomas Clark from the Huntsville Plastic Modeler Society, Huntsville, Alabama, I'm pretty sure. I, I've been to their show many times. I don't think I've ever been down there. I've been uh, to Huntsville, Alabama. In fact, we were right. down there last January, but uh, yeah, uh, I've not been to that show. I, I, I have not been in a number of years, but I really, really enjoy that show. And the, the drive down to Huntsville and back is just at the edge of what is doable for yep, I would a agree. one day contest. I mean it's you're you're talking just about 4 hours. Yep. And and so you can get up early, leave, get there when the contest opens or slightly after, do all day, contest ends, drive back and get home at a reasonable hour. Yeah, it's a tough one. I I, I used to day trip to Nashville from here which it's probably not much different from you for you going to Huntsville. Right. 
maybe a little less, but not quite. Well, anyway, back to uh, Tom's email. He says he was really struck by, by how often our topics parallel what's being discussed at their club in Huntsville, like the rise of uh, gunpla modelers and other sci-fi st- subjects and the role 3D pr- printing's playing mm-hmm. in the hobby. And uh, he was surprised that the Gundam stuff and the sci-fi figures were a major part of their contest this year. Uh, you know, they were overshadowed by the big three, certainly armor aircraft and autos, but, uh, and likewise at the Murfreesboro show there in middle Tennessee club, same stuff. Uh, well, he said there was a gunplug group from Knoxville that came and, and really swamped that figure category of this stuff. So, um, he's thinking the club's going to have to make some accommodations. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And I, th- I think they're doing that. I think that, I think the writing's on the wall. If, 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 if uh, you want to get new people in that, uh, I, I think that there are, I think if you're a smart club, uh, you are m- m- being, w- first of all, you should be welcoming to anybody in this hobby. Uh, you know, we, we welcome people who have an interest in modeling and doing what we do, even if their subjects are different. Uh, I don't think this rise in either sci-fi or gunpla is temporary. I think it is new to the... It it is new and here to stay, and I think you'll also see more uh, of the Warhammer and figure gaming guys coming in, guys and gals coming in. And I think the 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 reason a lot of the stuff we talk about here on a diff, on episodes is stuff that your uh, your local club is discussing is because. Really, all we're talking about is the trends we see in the hobby overall. And I suspect that the, those conversations are mirrored all across the country in clubs because those are the things that we're all noticing now. Yeah, and I'm not sure how new the Gundam is. I think what's new is, is, the, is the, uh, the current wave yeah. and exposure it's getting. I think that yes. would probably be a, a, a more fair way to put it. And it's... You know, at a minimum, I think you've got all the years that this has been at the crest of the wave in Japan to catch up yeah. with in, in North America. So, uh, yeah, it's here to stay for, well, it's here to stay, period, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and and I think it will be grow, a growing part of the hobby uh, and a growing part, uh, if you're a smart club that wants to grow, you want to you want to not only be welcoming to these people, you need to be looking for them. You need to be searching them out because a lot of times they're they're not necessarily in the same space that you might normally encounter a modeler. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times they're not at the hobby shop; they're at the gaming shop, or yeah. you know, they've got uh, got their int- own shop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe. Or, and, and and their own interest groups, and you need to, uh, you know, again, if you're smart and you want your club to grow, which you should, then you 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 need to reach out to these folks. Now, his other subject he brought up was 3D print, and he's he's, he's talked about this a lot in their club, and they've watched it shift from a novelty to a means of master creation to uh, a means of production. And he was surprised at Wonderfest in Louisville last year that he saw multiple kits, you know, figures, spaceships, whatever for sale that had been solely produced on a printer and, uh, how affordable they were compared to a, 
like a more organic mastered resin kit that's that's cast short run or whatever. Right. And that's that's an interesting point. That I, well, one of the reasons I think that price point wise they're more reasonable than than you know like a resin that's been mastered for a small batch run is once you've gotten all the CAD done, you're you can produce an infinite number of them at the only additional cost is the amount of material that the printer uses to print that kit. So unlike, you know, a short run master where the guy has the, the guy or gal has builds the master, then starts casting off of it. And then after so many casts, they've got to go do a new master. And your molds wear out. Yep. And yep. the mold's an expense you don't have with this. Exactly. Um, you know, there's pros and cons either way. Uh, you know, Vargas out on the West Coast, it does all the 35th scale obscur- obscurities, the tanks and things, and the Civil War guns. Uh, talking to him, at I talked to him. I didn't get to talk to him last Nationals, but I talked to him at Las Vegas. Um, I tried to get him on, but he, I just couldn't, he couldn't get away from his table because it was well, just so that's pop- because, pop- Yeah, I was going to say, he, he was moving hotcakes. It was I even, know, you know, even, he's got a, he's got a, f- a small fleet of printers. Yes. And with the, with the small consumer ones, you can do that without a whole lot. I mean, a whole lot of investment. That's, I mean, RTV rubber is not cheap. 15, 20 pounds of that. And you've paid for one of these little consumer printers. Yep. Easily. So, yep. yeah, I get it. I think we're going to see more of it. In fact, uh-huh. you know, he, he, he just released that Matilda, that Mark one Matilda. I think we're going to both end up with that kit. Oh, that that's one of those. It's so ugly. You have to love it. I know that, you know, <laughs> that thing probably threw mud everywhere. With no, with no mud guards, or no anything. mud guards. Yeah. <laughs> well, he hopes to see us at either Wonderfest, MMCL in the coming year, or even maybe San Marcos. And he also closes that uh, in 2023, it'll be their club's 50th anniversary, chartered in 1973. Uh, their contest date hasn't been fixed yet, but uh, hopes we could drop by if if and when, well, when they, excuse me, when they do pick one. The only thing I'd ask you to do is look at what, when Cincinnati is holding their contest in October and try and avoid the same weekend as Cincinnati. Yeah, well, that's cross regions so that's probably highly possible that that could happen yes it has happened before probably why we don't make it to huntsville very much exactly that has Since happened Cincinnati's a heck of a whole lot closer, lot closer. <laughs> dalton lott our young teenage friend down in georgia I, I think we answered this already he he was looking for a show in his area and then atlanta con's coming up he, he just right. uh was well it wasn't this email he messaged us and I told yeah. him, I sent him the link to the the Atlanta Club's website, which they've started to populate with that information, but uh, don't have a lot on there yet. I think that sh- show is probably going to be. Well, I'm not even venture a guess, but uh, keep an eye out, Dalton. Dalton, you should uh, you should go to that one if you can. That'd be yes. a good show. And is is that is that have the Atlanta Figure Show with it, or is that a separate no, show? That that's a separate show, I think. And you know, there's an Amps Atlanta show as well. Yes, uh, you definitely, Dalton. You, if if you have any interest at all, go to the Atlanta Figure Show. You'll be amazed. I go to all of them. There'd yeah, be three shows in Atlanta you could go to. There you go. We need to look into those a little more. See if yes. we can po- 
put up we some need more to, information. You and I have been messaging each other and talking about how we need to sit down with a calendar and <laughs> and do some planning because I'm here to tell you 2023 is going to be on top of us before we know. And we got a lot of things we'd like to hit. So we're gonna we're gonna have to sit down with that calendar and you and I are gonna have to talk. We should. We should do that, Dave. Tim Holland. Tim is a member of Southern Maryland Scale Modelers and runs the Green Shirt Modeler blog. I'll have to check that out. Yep. I haven't checked that out yet. Yep. Uh, well, uh, he was, have. He, you have? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check it out then. <laughs> uh, he's plugging PaxCon 2023. Yep. Yeah, we know some guys. I mean, we, we know a couple of people that might be there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked about uh, 172nd multi-engine because somebody brought that up in the last time's listener mail. Right. Well, his theory on the 72nd scale multi-engine is that he thinks the lion's share of these kits are older-ish kits. And there's plenty of higher quality and currently single-engine stuff out there that's getting the focus for the competitions. I, I think that that's true, although there are there's there's a lot of good 72nd scale multi-engine that's been, uh, you know, that's been produced in the last 15 years. So, uh, you know, the Airfix B25, the uh, the new Airfix Mosquito, you know, there's ICM's new KI-21. Um, I just think that, that the reason that you don't see as many of the multi-engines built is simple matters of time. I mean... It's if if you're a modeler like me, it takes long enough to build a single engine aircraft model in 72nd scale. And I don't know that that Mosquito, which is twin engine, but it's small twin engine. I don't know that it really took any more time to build than a single engine air, uh, 72nd scale. But I think the idea that it would is there. Yes, I think I think it's as much the idea as anything else. Uh, he's got a few things to say about color. He's got a photo stash uh, he took during his deployment in the nineties of uh, gray U.S. Navy aircraft. All were painted the same FS color, but none of them were the same shade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and from the photography standpoint, the color shifts depending on sun and cloud cover. You know, time of day, whatever. Um, that's understandable. But in, in the same in the same ambient light, the the FS color is measured against a, a chromatograph, probably. Yeah, and uh, it should it should be, in theory, should have been a specific color. But you know you know how this works. I you know this was from our our, our wheel spin question. Is there what was it? Is, is there, there a, correct a right color? a correct color? And the answer yeah. is no. <laughs> so still at no, and here's a couple more reasons why. Yeah. Uh, scale and size, which is another wheel question. Uh, there's He thinks there's a sweet spot between X and Y where the subject does not look like a toy. X being too small, Y being too big. And a true master modeler can pull off a model not looking like a toy. But uh, he thinks those folks are rare. I, I do think that uh, there is a sweet spot, but I think the sweet spot is pretty large. Uh, the sweet spot is... You know, depending on what you're modeling, keep in mind, between 32nd scale and 1 144th. Uh, 
now, obviously, with ships, you've got 700 and one three fiftieth, but those are specialized items of really, really massive prototypes. So uh, scale goes a little differently there. But I do think, I think there is a sweet spot. I think he is right about that. I just think the sweet spot is fairly large. Could be. Bob Bear, voice of Bob. Now, Bob was also in the 72 and 72 group build. Yes. Yep. Every every time I was on there, Bob was there. <laughs> yes, he was. So Bob wants to know when Evan's going to join us as the third. He does a good job, and he can relate to the younger modelers, those under 45. Well, Evan does do a good job. He re- he relates to the older modelers, too, clearly. Yeah, he really. Yeah, yeah. He, stick, he, he likes to stick knives in their back when they're not looking. Well, you know, our format is uh, always open to uh, modification, I guess. And uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have Evan on here a bit more. Oh, yeah. And because uh, we got other folks we like to get through. We need to get Jim back on, but uh, yes. Evan for sure. Evan yep. will be back. So don't you worry, Bob. We'll get, we'll get plenty of Evan. Adam Coleman. Now, he's from Texas. I don't remember where. Adam, we met Adam in, in Las Vegas, remember? Yep. And uh, he was up this way for some reason. I never never gathered why or I missed it in the email. Uh, he came up and did the Louisville, Cincinnati, Lexington. And it, the Bowling Green was his, his apex of his, of his travel for some reason. So I don't know if he's got somebody going to Western Kentucky, maybe. I don't know. Adam, why were you up here? Let us know. But anyway, we, we he was looking for hobby shops. So we... Uh, we put him on a scale reproductions in Louisville, our, our home base. Yep. And uh, he stopped in there, says it's a wonderful place, and spent some money and <laughs> talked models. Imagine that. It is it is hard to get out of scale reproductions without, uh, without spending some money. That's right. Well, Adam, glad you stopped in and uh, hope you told him we sent you. Yep, absolutely. Gary Sousmacat's back, and Gary's from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and he says he always, always learns something from Dr. Strangebrush. Me too. Oh, speaking of which, I've got to shoot Dr. Strangebrush an email after the last episode. And he says we need to capture sales commissions because he always ends up purchasing stuff after the episode. (laughs) Dr. Strangebrush is nice enough to come on and help us out. We are more than happy uh, to direct business his way. He's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> so keep spending your money. That's right. <laughs> Danny Saint Laurent from, uh, Quebec city. Uh, same vein, man. After listening to the last couple episodes, oh man, do I have to buy myself a lot of Christmas gifts? <laughs> Seems to be working, Dave. Yep. Rob Perlman, Vancouver, British Columbia. Now, Rob's asking if we've ever heard of Glenn Hoover models. Glenn Hoover models. Now I have, and and I've mentioned this kind of in passing on the show before. Uh, Glenn Hoover is another retired systems engineer, I think, in the space industry, and he puts out these uh, build breakdowns, these build guides for thirty-second scale aircraft, oh, and yeah, some, and some sci-fi. Yes, you're right. I think I have seen those before. I just didn't associate the name. I've got his 32nd scale Ravel Arado 196 build book. Mm-hmm. And I've got his uh, Kitty Hawk Kingfisher book. Jeez, I wonder why. And I highly recommend them, the books, if you yeah. have the kits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you happen to have the kits. Now, nah, you know, those kits are what they are, but uh, the books look like a big help because he. 
with with Glenn's books, what he does is he 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 rewrites the assembly instructions. Basically, he takes the instructions and the and like any aftermarket instructions, like Edward, mm-hmm. and right. he he integrates that all in together. So it's like do this here, do that there, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and you just work your way through everything and uh, takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. But that'd be handy to have and well worth it. Yep, and they're not very expensive, so. If you've got either of those kits or get on, uh, I don't know his website offhand. We'll try to put it in the show notes, but it's Glenn Hoover models. And he's got all, he's got several of these. I mean, I don't know, 12, 20. He's got quite a few of these. I'm sure if you just Google Glenn Hoover models, it's going to pop up. I think it probably will. Eric Kenser from Menlo Park, California. Oh, he's got a, he's got a topic for the wheel. So, uh, thank you. Eric and other listeners, please, if you've got any topics for the wheel, we're going to do that again. Come first of the year, uh, send them in. Maybe we'll even do it with old Jim. Yep. Yep. That'd be and, a good uh, idea. We'll, we'll keep this, keep this under the cuff until then, but it's a good one. So thank you very much. I'm not, I'm not going to share it with you, Dave, because that's fine. It won't be spontaneous. Uh, that's right. We want spontaneity. <laughs> well, from the email side of things, that's all I got. So Dave, what is uh, Facebook Messenger been looking like? Busy. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone who's a member of the dojo for messaging us anytime we have accidentally let through somebody who is spamming the site. You know, we've got 16, 1800 people in the in the group now, and we get you know, it's slowed down a little, but we get 10, 12 requests to join a day. And, uh, you know, uh, we try to to filter for the ones that are obvious, obvious bot. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're f- bots or they're just they're <laughs> professional spammers. Spammers. Yeah. <laughs> Mike actually caught one the other day before they got in. But uh, a number of people have messengered, messengered us as soon as it's become obvious that one of these folks has gotten through and they start posting. And so we have to go root them out and, uh, you know, delete the post and then ban the, the identity. And who knows, they probably respawn and try again. But thank you for all of you folks who have helped us monitor. We actually have four people moderating the dojo, Mike, myself, Evan, and Ian. And even with even with four people doing it, it, we we need the help of you all out there. So I really appreciate the folks who who reached out and and let us know whenever that happened. Well, it's usually the guy's got eight thousand friends and belongs to four hundred and eighty seven groups, and you that, click on the groups, and none of them are modeling related. That's right. That's yeah. that's the. <laughs> yeah, there are, sometimes they can slip through. Sometimes they're they're sophisticated, you know. But a lot of times well, they're they're yeah. just working. They're they're just doing it on mass, and and you know those thank gosh are easier to spot. There's probably an easier way. We just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, if any of you got any tips for helping us do that, please. We're not experts in this, so you know, reach out and give us your give us your tip for spotting these people or keeping them out in the first place. I was to say, do you got anything else? Yeah. Uh, 
was uh, had a nice conversation with Steve Schaefer, and he just reached out to tell us that uh, um, he had placed an order with uh, uh, Model Paint Solutions and was very, very happy with uh, uh, the ease of purchase and uh, how quickly and, and how pain-free it was. Uh, so that's another one for uh, Dr. Strangebrush. Uh, yeah, All we've right. we've told you John is really a good guy, and he really has no problem interacting with folks. Uh, he's a natural teacher, so he loves answering questions. If you've got a question, particularly in related to something you're you've bought from him or you're thinking of buying, reach out. He'll be happy to help. And then finally, a member by the name or a listener by the name of Zon Sullenberger. I have no idea where Zahn is located. Zahn, if you uh, hear me, uh, please message me and let me know your city and state. We just like to know the geography. But Zahn reached out to ask me a question. I had told, I'd said several times that the finest model kit I have ever built has been the Tamiya 72nd Scale Zero. And Zahn reached out with a really good question that I should have, I guess I should have probably pointed out. There's more than one, to me, a 72nd scale zero. They actually make the A6M2, both A6M3s, and the A6M5. Um, And he was asking, well, when you say that, which one do you mean? And they're all based on the, the, the same basic molds. The, the parts swap out based on, on what particular model is being done, but it's all the same base mold. So I've built a model 21 and a model 52. They are both, it's, it's the exact same quality, the exact same build level. So any of the Tamiya zeros, any of the 72nd scale Tamiya zeros, finest kit I, I've ever modeled, and I have zero doubt I'll be building more of them. I'm sure you got more of them. Uh, one, I'm looking over my shoulder now. One, two, three, four, seven, eight, which sounds like a lot, but uh, did I forward you Barrick Numeric's email? I think so. He sent me a y- picture yes, of his one own. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to, to prove that he wasn't lying to me about how many unbuilt 109 kits he has. And seven to me as zeros or eight to me as zeros are nothing compared to that. Uh, uh, pales, I'm sure. Yes. We'll, we'll have Barry on in the future and we'll discuss that. Well, until then, please drop us a line or two at uh, plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com or send us a message via Facebook messenger system and uh, you'll get me or Dave depending on the topic but uh, usually Dave takes the first pass at those and uh, thanks for all listener mail This is the point in the show where I ask you, if you have not done so already, when you are done listening to this podcast, would you please go and rate it on whatever podcast app you use? Give us five stars. We'd appreciate it. And it helps us grow the podcast 
by exposing more people to it. Also, if you've got a modeling friend out there that doesn't listen to the podcast, please recommend us to them. Uh, A personal recommendation is the best way for us to get new listeners, and we continue to get new listeners. Um, So please do that for us. We'd appreciate it. And while you're doing that, you want to check out all the other podcasts out in the model sphere. And you can do that by going to www.modelpodcasts.com. That's modelpodcastsplural.com. This it was a consortium website set up with the help of Stuart Clark at the Scale Model Podcast up in Canada. And what Stu did was set up a web, simple web page. It's got banner links to all the other websites or all the other podcasts who are participating in this consortium with us of uh, mutual cross promotion. So uh, check it out. Podcasts aren't the only thing out there. There's a lot of blog and YouTube content out there. And we've got several friends in this area. Uh, you're going to want to check out Jim Bates, the scale Canadian TV. He's got a nice little YouTube channel talking about uh, a lot of uh, esoteric topics in scale modeling and a little humor along the way. Would you agree with that, Dave? Absolutely. That's uh, the the enjoyment of of Jim is not it 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 is the modeling. I mean, you we're all interested in that, but but Jim's rather unique take, a unique humorous take on on uh, his personal modeling experience is what's entertaining. Also, going to check out the Inchai guy Jeff Groves. Uh, his seventy second scale blog is going to really uh, tickle your fancy if you're into that scale. Chris Wallace, a model airplane maker. He's got a great blog and YouTube channel. A lot of great builds, a lot of good content, show coverage, lots of cool stuff. Chris is a great modeler and his, his videos keep getting better and better. Yes, the last one went viral. I mean, he he had like 60,000 views on it. So, And it's great, especially if you're, if you're going to paint an overall black scheme, go watch his uh, YouTube uh, video on it. And Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Fretz want to check out his blog and uh, he's got a lot of short and long form content on there and he's a pretty prolific modeler as well in fact he just finished up some things that are pretty nice yes and uh check it out sprue pie with frets finally if you are not a member of your national ipms organization organization ipms uk ipms usa ipms canada IPMS Israel, et cetera, et cetera. Please consider joining your national organization. They do a lot to promote modeling and promote the hobby, both in your country and overseas. I know that uh, recently at Scale Model World, we had a, a number of IPMS USA modelers and one of our, at least one of our officers were at Scale Model World, and they spent an hour or an hour and a half with the IPMS UK guys talking about what we can do to cross-promote. And so these these guys are giving up time out of their lives to time they'd rather be at the bench to run these national organizations. They're all volunteer. And please... Join your national uh, IPMS national organization. Well, that's most of the plugs. I got one more plug, Dave. Oh, sorry. We got an email. No, no, sorry. This is in, yeah. this is in addition to our. Oh, in addition, on- I thought maybe I stepped on you. Nah, you didn't step on me. <laughs> I would have screamed. Oh, okay. No, we got an email late 
before the last recording session, we didn't get it in, but it was from our friend Stephen Reed over at the T thirty four interest group and uh, scale modeling group on Facebook. Yeah, uh, one of our early guests. Uh, Steve wanted us to announce that the uh, model club drought in Southeast Georgia is now over. Um, IPMS Southeast Georgia in the greater Savannah area has, has commenced. And, uh, you're wanting to if you're in that area, if you're in that geography and you're looking for a model club, um, you're going to want to, want to check it out. Absolutely. So it's always great to hear about a new club. That's cool area. So I, I imagine, uh, they'll have some success down there. Yeah, I think they will. Uh, And Steve, if you have not reached out to the director of local chapters or your regional coordinator, please do. We can help with locating modelers that may be members of the national organization that you aren't aware of or that aren't aware of your club. So we can help you a little bit with your membership. Please take advantage of those uh, of those services. All right, we're done plugging and pitching. Let's have a word from our sponsor, Model Paint Solutions. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. All right, Dave, come and make it in Texas. I cannot wait. I am telling you, after the experiences in Vegas and Omaha, the IPMS USA National Convention has always been the best four days of my year. But the post-COVID ones so far have been particularly great. Uh, And the last one pre-COVID, Chattanooga, was also awesome. So, uh, you know, it. It just, it's getting better and better. You've got to get to a, na- a national convention if you have not been. Well, Dave, I agree. The two post-COVID national conventions were, were a whole lot of fun, but it'd been so long since I'd been to one prior to Las Vegas that uh, I can't qualify the front end of that, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, trust me. You've been to a couple. Uh, yeah, a few. <laughs> well, Dave. We are 247 days away from uh, the 2023 IPMS National Convention, so uh, it's going to get get kind of close here once the first year rolls around. Get through some of this holiday stuff. Yeah, it's going to be below 200 when we by the, about the time we clear the end of this year. So, just about in January for sure. Yeah. Well, I hope people are taking notes and there's always the back catalog to go through. Uh, but, uh, Brandon Jacobs, our Mojovian special agent, 003 has come through again. He's quite reliable. Yeah. He's got another possibility for Nats attendees. Okay. Particularly those headed West on I-10 into San Marcos. Okay. Is the Shiner Brewery. Oh, I, I like Shiner Bach. There you go. I actually have a Shiner in my model room fridge. I actually have a Shiner beer in the fridge. It's Shiner prickly pear. <laughs> ah, stop in Shiner, Texas, home of Shiner beer. His one of his go-to modeling fluids. It's the oldest brewery in Texas, founded in 1909. They do uh, brewery tours that end in a tasting room. 
and they have reservations online, but they're not required. Uh, they're pretty much on the on the half hour, starting at about ten thirty a.m. Monday through Saturday, and twelve thirty p.m. on Sunday. With the last tour at four thirty p.m. every day. So Shiner Beer, Shiner Bach is the one I'm familiar with. You've got yep. Shiner Prickly Pear. I got a web address. I'll send you, Dave. Okay. You know, are we coming in that way? We're heading uh, west. I don't know if we'll be on I ten or not, but. Uh, you know, we ha- I've I have yet to map. I've I've looked at the trip a couple of times, but I've, I have yet to map out exactly what our path is going to be. So we're going to have to we're going to have to not only do we have to sit down with the cal- calendar and mark out contests for next year, also at least one of us needs to start planning the navigation for the trip to San Marcos. And we need to do something along the way since we're going oh, so yeah. dang so dang far. Yep. Well, Brandon, thanks again. And I think, you know, I think we saw a post from him on the dojo. He was uh, in the San Marcos area over the holiday and he was at some other brew pub or tap room or something. Oh yeah, he was. You were right. I remember that now. So, so uh, look forward to that and uh, maybe have a modeling fluid or two with him once we all get to San Marcos. Absolutely. Maybe, we'll, maybe there will be some special modeling fluid for our special agents. Hope so. All that means they buy it for us, or we buy it for no, them. No, we probably <laughs> we probably should bring it to them. Uh, we probably should. So, uh, yeah, hopefully his reconnoiter down to San Marcos over the holiday was uh, was fruitful, and uh, look forward to the next update, Brandon. Well, Dave, that is the uh, update for come and make it to Texas. All right, cannot wait. Up next is the Benchtop Halftime Report, which is brought to us by Tackett Z. Tackett Z, the must-have tools for the model maker. Check out all Ed's got going on at www.tackettz.com. Uh, you know, I sent him uh, some info back, a feedback on his little box and holder stand he made for the FlexiFile frames. Haven't heard back from him yet, but uh, hopefully he'll incorporate some of those or look into what's possible and Maybe you'll get one day. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to to what he what your suggest. And I, since I got to at least see what he produced before I handed it off to you, I know what his original prototype looks like. I'll be interested to see what your suggestions and which ones what he incorporates and how he incorporates them. So I can't wait for that because I do need something to hold all those sanding frames. Well, since it is the Benchtop Halftime Report, Dave, what is up on your Benchtop? Modeling. Modeling. I know know that. Modeling is occurring. Well, wait a minute. Let's not- Where are we at? Let's let's not pass this over. It is late November. Thanksgiving has come and gone, and I've still actually gotten some modeling done. I'm proud of you, Dave. Thank you. Uh, somebody's got to be. I think the I think the seventy two and seventy two might have helped us out a little bit. I think it did. I, I even though there was no way I was going to commit to building a seventy second scale model in in seventy two hours, uh, hanging out with the guys really was quite enjoyable. Uh, we dropped in, told a few rude jokes. Yeah, and- exactly. That's basically what I do on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, the the uh, Airfix Kate. Painted, decaled, I put the gloss top coat on over the weekend. It is now down to pin washing, weathering, flat 
or, or satin coating, and she's done. This one will definitely be done by by the end of the year, but actually possibly before that. And uh, uh, since I've been hearing the footsteps of March quickly approaching, the fact that I've got to get this Arma P51 built, uh, I've actually been working on it. This kit is, and you have to pay attention. I've said this every time. You have to pay attention to the instructions and I really read everything twice. But God, it's it's been a fun build. I'm enjoying the heck out of it so far, and and can't can't wait to get on with it. Uh, which it will occupy the main spot on my bench just as soon as this Kate is. Uh, is off and uh, up on its legs and in the display case. Well, good. So how about your bench? What have you been building? I've been pretty busy. I was going to say, I have seen I have seen you posting a lot, and, and I've been very impressed by what you did post. Tell people what you were working on, because I really like what you did and the effects you've gotten. Buggers up my outline, but uh, we'll figure it out. Let's see. Um what you, what you're talking about, Dave, is my Imperial Japanese Navy catapult. Yes, that goes with my E16 Paul float plane. Yep. Now the catapult is in paint phase. Uh, where to start? Um, the launch mechanism. It's a subassembly. It's it's painted and weathered. And what I did there was, you know, I primed it black. Uh, I came in with a what I use the well. Let me back up. The, the color that it's primarily going to be, were it unweathered and freshly painted, is to me a Curie Arsenal gray. Right. Which is kind of on the dark side. Yep. A little blue, but on the dark side. Uh, so I'm undercoating this thing. I've got the black. Then I've uh, I've come back over it with a fairly overall coat of, uh, to me, a sky gray, which is lighter than the Curie Arsenal. By right. quite a bit, yeah. And then I've I've then further cut that with white, to me a flat white, and hit the very top edges of some things again. And uh, once I had all that done, I started to do some oil paint work on it and using some dark grungy colors, trying to trying to make this thing kind of kind of dirty, but not not rusty and, and right. dilapidated. It's a piece of naval equipment. I mean. It's, Maybe a little rust, but they're going to be trying to take care of it pretty yeah. well, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, there's some moving pistons and rails, and, and the, the thing was fired by like a blank cannon charge. Right. So there's going to be a lot of powder and, and grease and stuff like that, I would imagine. Yeah. So I've used a lot of, 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 of like brown tinted grays and, and some dark rust tones and some browns to kind of uh, – shift the gray in places and build up some accumulations in some areas. And I really like the way it came out. Yep. I, I really did too. I, the, uh, what, what you've been doing with the, with the oil washes and then going back and picking out with a brush, some highlight stuff really, really made things pop. I've also got the, uh, well, the, the launch mechanism is painted, weathered. It's got the final, well, not the probably last final flat coat on it. It's been flat coated so I can handle it right. without worrying about it too much. Uh, it's going to get rigged. Now it's going to get the entire length of cable that's going to rig the entire catapult is going to be put on the launch mechanism with these 
two long pieces hanging off either side. Um, got to get that done. Let's get that set aside. So that's up next. Uh, I've got the trolley. The launch trolley is painted and partially weathered. And I have the catapult boom partially painted. Now, I didn't get quite as far as I wanted over the holidays because I had a little negative modeling going on. <laughs> on the launch trolley, God, what a boneheaded move, man. <laughs> I I was putting it on a block of balsa to give it a handle, right? Right. And had some double-sided tape taped onto the end of the balsa wood block. Right. So to seat it onto the sticky side of the tape, I put my thumb right on the cross bracing <laughs> in the middle of the thing. And of course, not only did I break it off in two corners, I broke one of the legs of the cross bracing in the middle of the span. Oh. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so I spent about, gosh, two hours realigning that. Oh. Letting it set up overnight. Coming back with some Mr. Surfacer 500, scraping all that down with the edge of a hobby knife, getting it blended out, sanding it. And I, you know, I got a, you can't even tell it was broken now. I mean, I, but you'd like to have those hours back anyway. I, uh, I would like to have those hours back or, or the launch trolley would be done. Yeah. I mean, it would, all, it would also be done with the launch mechanism. I would have two sub assemblies completely finished, waiting to go on the finished model. But no, I had to break something. <laughs> Well, so yesterday, day before, I started painting the, the catapult boom. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, folks might remember there's there's two little two little foot platforms, two little walkways, two little gangways at the at the launch end, the start end of the catapult, right, off either side for the crew to get on the plane and et cetera. And uh, they were really thick. I mean, they're probably like a foot thick in 72nd scale. And they're in reality, they were stamp sheet metal. Right. So I made a jig, you know, it's been over a year ago now, and sanded those things down to nothing. And then to make it look like a formed over edge for the, you know, to, to give it some structure. Right. I had a piece of evergreen 10,000th thick by 40,000th wide strip styrene along the edge. Mm-hmm. So instead of this being a thick piece of plastic now, it's this little thin L-shaped structure, cross-section. Right. Well, in handling it during painting, I broke a like, I don't know, a sixteenth of an inch, a few millimeters off the the, the fold-over side, the evergreen stuff I'd oh. put on there. Yeah, it's like, damn it. So I just stopped, cleaned my airbrush, put all that away, cleaned up the brake with some files and, and glued, you know, I fixed it. Right. And I got it all primed and repaint it's well it's where am i now let me look at it i got it masked off and airbrushed the the uh, i primed it black again to me a sky graded again so it's it's where it should have been before i broke it but again i would like to have those hours back well and one important thing you did is walk away give give yourself a little bit of time before you go back to fix it oh sure uh we We've talked about the walk away yeah. moments before. Yep. And uh, sometimes they just happen. Sometimes you're in the zone. Sometimes yeah. you're not. <laughs> That's right. The anti zone. The anti zone. Yeah. It's not a good place to be. So, yeah. Put the airbrush down. Walk away. I, I, I think it got snagged in the filter on the back of my airbrush, my spray booth. Oh. See, and, I, uh, I've got a paint paste booth. So the filter is actually. 
on the vertical. Yeah, yeah, it's, on the ceiling of the. Uh, yeah. Well, my my spray booth's been getting hot if I let it run more than twenty thirty minutes, Dave. So I think it might be on borrowed time, and it's like that thing's like twenty four years old at this point. Yeah. So maybe it's time for a new spray booth. Maybe I need the big the big honking pace spray booth. That's the one I've got. Uh, I can highly recommend it. Now, when I bought it, it was expensive for me, but uh, you know. Uh, it's it was still a fantastic deal. Now he has but you're a cheapskate. Dave. Yeah, that's true. And he has raised his prices over the years, as I'm sure he he had to. But it is I can let's put it this way: I've never seen anything I couldn't work inside that spray booth. It's never failed me. I'm super happy with it. And uh, you know, if you end up needing a new one, I, I can recommend theirs. Yep. So maybe I'll do that. Well, have you got anything else from your bench, Dave? Are we done? I think we're done with the bench. All right. Well, let's hear a little word from uh, Chris at Inside the Armor. Hello, Mojovians. This is Chris from Inside the Armor Publications, and I'm here to tell you all about Models for Ukraine, Volume 2. The first volume of Models for Ukraine raised money for humanitarian aid for Ukraine by featuring only Ukrainian manufacturers made by some of the best modelers around the world. Why mess with a good formula? Volume 2 features much of the same. This time, though, all of the articles will be new and feature such great artists as Calvin Tan, Ken Abrams, Sam Dwyer, René van der Hart, Vance Lubin, Robert Blocker and many more. All in all, 23 artists in 11 countries have donated their work for free to what we think is a fantastic modelling book that also happens to raise a lot of money for a good cause. If you'd like to purchase this fantastic book, please head on over to InsideTheArmor.com to get yours today. Also, if you'd like to know more about the model manufacturers of Ukraine, please look up Models from Ukraine podcast to hear the latest interviews with people like Reskit, Wingsy Kits, Armory and many of the other Ukrainian manufacturers. A special thank you to Mike and Dave. Raise your glass of modelling fluid and let's get back to the plastic model mojo. Well, that was nice. A specially recorded uh, thing just for just for us and our listeners. That was really cool. Were you drunk last time? Because we ran it last time. No, but it, isn't that one different? Uh, yes, it is. He, he tailored it for us. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Don't, don't, don't gaslight me. <laughs> I didn't say you're crazy. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, it's been a while. Uh, what has broken your wallet, sir? Oh man! I hope you can keep up. Uh, I, I this is gonna. I'm gonna let you go first. You're the big dog. Well, the printer doesn't count. Yeah, no. We we've t- we've touched on the printer. That was that was that was a modeling tool. That was an investment. Uh, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see if I can justify it down the road. So or not. It's fun to have it and play with it when I want to. Whether I do anything on it or not. So it's it's fun. What broke my wallet? Well, I bought a few kits, Dave. Yeah. Uh the the most prominent one is uh Brian at Scale Reproductions finally got the Tacom Sharnhorse turret, which you uh I was gonna say that broke my wallet, at least temporarily. Well it did. I appreciate that. I appreciate the uh the liaison not a problem service there. Not a problem, that my was friend. Good. Uh, you know, and then, you know, that's, that's going to be fun. That's as you would expect. I opened it up and looked at it and yeah, I think that's going to be cool. Well, in addition to that, I also picked up from some dude who cruised through Facebook 
one of the modeling secondhand sites. Uh-huh. I can't remember which one. Uh, he had all these kits, man. And I picked up an AFE Club uh, SDKFC 232, which is the early eight-wheeled armored car with the antenna frame yes. on it. Yep. Like like the old Tamiya kit, but it's not the old Tamiya kit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I picked that sucker up for pretty pretty dang good price. And then uh, back in October, because we haven't done this in a while, when I was down in Tennessee at the little small show there down in Greenville from the Appalachian Scale Modelers Association, uh, I picked up a, 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 a Dragon Premium Edition Tiger II, the Porsche turret type. I love the Porsche turret. And then, uh, hold your breath, man. I got an Eastern Express Zis 42 half track. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to have to explain this to me. At what at what point did you look at that and go, yeah, I need to buy this? Uh, I s- copied a photograph off German eBay <laughs> of this. It's a Zis 5 truck that's been modified to be a, a half track. Right. It's pretty obscure. I mean, they didn't make many of these things. But I've got a photograph from Germany by a German snapshot of one of these things with a quad maximum in the bed of it. Yeah. So this is where I get into this photo inspiration thing. Yep. And I tell you, once I figured out how to convert the uh, the Hobby Boss ZIS-5 into the three-axle ZIS-6 yep. for my Katusha project, well, guess what's going to happen with this one? <laughs> And I've already got the truck kit bought. Right. I got it from got it from Dr. Strangebrush, thinking I might need two for this Katusha project. But I think I'm but I think I'm good. So the other one's gonna get modified to take the half track stuff from this kit. Maybe some 3D printed tracks because it's got those funky kind of single piece rubber casting over steel cord tracks like the American M3 and M2 half tracks had. Yeah. Uh, same kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a real simple track. It'd be a fun one to do on the printer. Uh, well, and there are several versions of that quad maxim out there. Well, aren't I, there? I've got a, I've got a plus models resin one. Yeah. You could cabbage one out of the, uh, mini art, uh, gas triple a. Right. I've got that kit. Yeah. It's just one. It's so many kits. So little time, Dave, this is just <laughs> one of those projects that I've, I want to do. Uh, in a, in in a go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm just I'm enjoying myself. Well, that's the kits, but that's not the end of the list. Well, okay. there's one more kit, but it's a little further down. Okay. Uh, I ordered some resin Zimmerit sets from Attack out of Poland. Okay, I've seen those before. Yeah, um, they're really nice. I think they're better than the the old Cavalier ones. I mean, they were contemporaries for a while, but I think Cavalier is done and gone. Yes. My understanding is that Cavalier is gone. Attack is is still kicking, so they're still out there. I, I got a Zimmerit set for the aforementioned Tiger II and for the AFE Club Sturm Tiger that I have in my stash. Now, there's contemporary kits of both of these, but in my opinion, the new stuff are not leagues better than these, especially with a little you know, aftermarket Zimmerit and a few bobs and bells. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to keep these kits with the intent on building them. So, you know, I could get a, somebody else makes a, a Porsche turret tiger two with Zimmerit already on it. And I know 
Ryefield makes a Sturm Tiger, but uh, uh, I'm not not convinced they're that much better. That I need to scab these off and get some new ones. Gotcha. So I, I picked these up while I still can. They weren't very expensive. And I tell you, attacks is, is fast. I think it was eight, nine days from order that these were, at, were in my hands. The, one of our Polish listeners needs to talk to us about this. The Polish postal system seems to be really, really efficient. Because whenever I've ordered from... Uh, Arma or any of the Polish hobby shops or hobby distributors, man, that I am amazed at how quickly the things come. Well, I imagine our buddy Balky will have something to say about it. It's, that's right. I'm sure that Probably he will he be will, pretty rich too. Yeah. <laughs> well, my other kit I bought was uh, from a Hungarian manufacturer, sorry, from a Ukrainian manufacturer, Denim Pro Models. Named for the river, I guess. Yep. Uh, it's a Hungarian Bofors anti-aircraft gun. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, I haven't got it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, and I rolled the dice with this one. Uh, hopefully, I get it. I've, I've not even pinged them for an order status just because they're busy. Sure. <laughs> uh and, and to backtrack to the last episode, you know, I was uh, talking about, uh, I gave the little review on uh, Inside the Armor's book, uh, yeah. Models from Ukraine 2. Yep. And uh, Dinner Pro is not listed among all the- I told you. Every, every, not all, all the modelers on the inside cover. <laughs> every, every time he updates it, he says he gets, a, he gets a, an email from somebody saying, hey, you forgot these guys or those guys. So I, I hope and I have faith I'll eventually get this. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, the Hungarian Bovers is a little unique because it's got this square platform kind of bathtub under the gun com- compared to the other Bofors variant. I was, was, was going to ask you what the difference to the Hungarian one was. That's the primary difference. I'm sure there are others, but I'm not real. don't have a lot of nuanced knowledge about Bofors guns. I've built one in 72nd scale, 76th <laughs> scale, actually. Yeah. But, uh, wasn't you know wasn't much to that right <laughs> anyway this thing is uh it's got my interest for a couple reasons it, it it might be towed by a truck i'd like to scratch build it might be built straight up um because of well there is a a hungarian vehicle is is it was a licensed built hungarian vehicle it was a swedish sold the license to build this in, in Hungary uh, called the Nimrod, which, you know, Nimrod, because of some Looney Tunes cartoons, has gone to be a pejorative, but right. Nimrod is the great hunter, right? Right. So that's what Nimrod really is. And the Nimrod vehicle was a dual purpose tank destroyer, anti-aircraft gun. It, it typically is called an anti-aircraft gun because it's a Bofors, right? Right. But uh, that was not the sole purpose. So, because it was not the sole purpose for the for the Nimrod and the just the normal ground mount Bofors cannon, uh, they developed probably copied from the the one the Germans made for their thirty seven millimeter anti tank gun pack pack thirty six. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That shape charge that they put on the end of the barrel. Yeah, the little uh, looked kind of kind of like a a piet round. Sort of a lot bigger though. Yes. 
and launched with a great big blank, I guess. Yes. Uh, well, the Hungarians had one too. So for this gun, 40, 40 millimeter. So interesting. So, you know, the kit looks pretty good. Um, well, the pictures of the kit look pretty good. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we get and if we get it. So I hope we do. I'm looking forward to that. That's not it though, Dave. I oh, bought a bunch man. of cons- consumables, some washes and paints and primer to use on the catapult. <laughs> and uh, all that came from Burbank House of Hobbies out in Burbank, California. I like dealing with those guys. They, they're they're pretty fast. Hmm. I've never never had any experience. The price, with them. Their prices are pretty good. So uh, I don't know if you're inclined, check them out. I'll have if to, you're out there, go see them. I'll have to put a link in the in the show notes on that one. That's it. What do you got? You going to top that? No, I'm not going to top. Uh, you went to a show in Tennessee. I went to Cincy show and ended up with probably, I probably purchased more kits at that show than I've purchased kits. And oh just, yeah. You found a deal. Uh, yes. There was one of the vendors had a bunch of kits in Ziploc bags, where they, they, they were unstarted, they were the sprues, the box top to the box, and the instructions oh, and decals. In not the, only don't get the box top. In, the, in these Ziploc bags. And they, he had done that because, believe it or not, he stored his models in filing cabinets. I, we've talked about this before. <laughs> and... And wondered if that was not the case. (laughs) So he had a bunch of stuff that he was selling. It was good quality kits. They were inexpensive. And if you bought three, you got one free. So I picked up uh, a Fine Molds A7M2 SAM, the successor to the Zero. I bought a Tamiya Bowfighter. I bought another Airfix Kate, <laughs> and I'm trying, which thank God I did because I needed those decals. And what the heck else was the fourth one? I'm having trouble remembering what the fourth one was. In any event, so I bought those four kits. I bought the the big find for me up at Cincy was the Arawasi book on the KI-21 that just came out within the last six months. It's it's hard to find in uh, anywhere ordering it directly from from Arawasi or from uh, uh, the Arawasi blog and all of that. It's really difficult. In fact, I know several people who had tried and been unsuccessful in getting the transaction to process. Well, a dealer in Cincinnati had the book, had the book for a good price comparatively, and I snapped it up. Uh, I also, I know I'm going to shock you, I bought two decal sheets, um, <laughs> just randomly purchased two decal sheets just because that's me. And then after I got back from Cincinnati, I got any, I got several emails from several different people, all of wh- whom are way too familiar with, with my vices, uh, telling me that the ICM KI-21 Sally that the first kit of the first version was out. So I hopped around and looked at the different options to purchase. Uh, 
the best deal, believe it or not, was an eBay seller that I've actually bought from before out of uh, Latvia. And uh, it arrived fairly quickly. I mean, it couldn't have been more than 14, 15 days. And uh, well, certainly inside your build pace. Oh, God. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Carrier pigeons inside my build space. But it it is gorgeous. I'm happy to report. I opened it up. I fondled the plastic uh, immensely. It's great. And I definitely want to look at that and get it on the short list to start building. Uh, but I, the one thing I am tell you I am going to do is I'm not going to build it until somebody comes out with a paint mask set for it because they provide you, they don't provide you a paint mask, but they do provide you a paint mask guide for making your own paint mask. And you got, you got an exacto knife. Yeah. <laughs> there are a hundred and one windows, 101 separate panes that need to be masked. It's like so, Dalmatians. Yeah, exactly. So I have zero doubt that Edward and, and all those guys are going to very quickly, because I mean, like I said, ICM has provided them with the mass, with the guide. So all they've got to do is take it and use it to make the actual masks. And as soon as they do, I'll snap it up. And at that point, uh, that KI-21 is uh, moving up very high for when we talk about what our list looks like for next year. I, I'm, I can kind of see that KI-21 getting on it. Oh, there you go. Multi-engine. Yeah. But that was it. I, I, unlike I was, I was pretty much a piker compared to uh, uh, <laughs> compared to what you did, especially if we count the three D printer. That's right. But we're not. Which is why we're not counting it. All right, Dave. Getting the right size base for your model diorama or vignette can be difficult and time consuming. Bases by Bill has the solution with their all new custom size display bases. Offering sizes of 4 to 30 inches and any size in between, you choose the dimensions you want and you get the size you need every time. They can also be laser engraved with a unit emblem or custom text of your choice. In addition, shipping is always included within the lower 48 states. Built by modelers for modelers, Bases by Bill has bases and display cases for any type of model and for any size. Visit their website at basesbybill.com to see their new products or to get your own custom built base or display case quote. Use the code MOJO at checkout to apply a 10% listener discount to your order. That code again is MOJO for 10% off. Bases by Bill for all your model display needs. I just realized something. What? I keep forgetting to change that ad. Folks don't get ten percent off. They get they get they get fifteen. Right. So the the checkout code works the way it's supposed to, and I really really need to change that. I just keep forgetting. <laughs> I talked to those guys a couple about a week before Thanksgiving, and yep. they they assured me that was the case. So sorry, guys. Sorry, bases by Bill. I got a base idea I need to submit to. Yes. Yeah. I've actually got a couple that I need to get quotes on. Well, Dave, our special segment tonight is kind of a, a different take on our kind of a year-end thing. This is going to drop early December. We've got something else planned for the end of the month. And we got Mr. Husted coming back in the middle of the month. 
So we're going to forego our, our typical format of year in review, but uh, we're going to do a little bit of that here. Um, what did we learn and what do we want now? For 2022, what has Dave learned either skill-wise or philosophically or whatever? I've, I've actually learned a lot. I learned that, yes, group builds just aren't for me. Uh, I finally again yes again I keep learning that lesson it's like touching the stove and figuring out it's hot I can't except I'm the dumb kid who has to keep doing it again and again Uh, the mosquito got finished this year but that was only a year late or nine months late uh, from when it was supposed to be done Um, and uh, while I, I enjoyed it to an extent I definitely don't like building on a schedule, so uh, I learned that. I learned that if you're going to paint yellow, paint pink under it first. I think Brian, was it Brian that sent that tip in? Brian Dinklow. Yes. From uh, Build Sideways Podcast. There you go. Uh, I think he's the, he's not the only person that suggested it, but he's the first person I remember suggesting it. And I tried it the other night on the, uh, propeller tips of the Arma P51. Um, I painted the, the tips pink and then went back and painted, uh, uh, yellow and it works. I mean, it's the, the, the opacity is great. Uh, the, color density and the color are really really good um i i mean that was that was completely unexpected to me um uh, and i'm glad i'm glad he he reached out and and suggested that other things i've learned my eyes are bigger than my stomach um uh, <laughs> and that, i mean that in the modeling sense as well as the just having finished thanksgiving dinner sense my goal was to finish five models this year. I don't think that I'm going to finish five. I'm going to come close. I think I'm going to finish four, um, barring a last-minute miracle. Uh, but I think I'm not only – I think I'm getting faster, believe it or not, um, when you consider all of the other things going on in life and, you know – two teenage daughters and all of the stuff that that I've got at work and everything else. I think the time that I've actually devoted to modeling, I think I'm getting slowly getting more efficient. And I think that's a key to becoming not only a better modeler, but a faster modeler. Well, those are the ones that occur to me off the top of my head. So what did you learn? this year uh i learned that uh i'm still not to the level how to say it so i took a big hiatus from the hobby because basically to use a corporate buzzword a paradigm shift and finishing techniques kind of obsoleted me largely because my 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 rate of completion right I mean, just the earth moved under me, literally. 
uh, I think I, I've learned that I can do, I can do a lot of these things, but I'm I'm I've learned that I'm I need to keep my my contest performance in check or my desire to have a certain contest performance in check. Yes, that uh, hey trophy trophy hunting has killed more hobbyists uh, modelers than. Uh, I mean, it, it's killed more modeling mojo than uh, probably just about anything else. So I, I've I've learned to remind myself that uh, I've been there and did that, and I need to keep philosophically. I need to, I need to stay in the mindset that that I'm going to get better and try to get better, and whatever happens on that front happens, and should not be should never come into to the picture when I start a project. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I know what you're I know exactly I, what you're I, saying. I, I need to do this for for the enjoyment side of it and not the the recognition side of it. Yeah. And some of that tried to rear its head again at Nats and I I, I was successful to beat it down. I, I really came away empty-handed and okay with that. I only had one intro. I had two, but uh, the, the Gundam was never going to gonna do anything at Nationals anyway. Um, I, you know, I just got to keep all that in check, and, and, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and learning a lot of new stuff, and I, I, need, to, I need to stay in that mindset. Yep. I've learned a lot. I, I've learned that uh, I'm going to have to take the risks to – to learn a lot of this, a lot of these techniques that uh, I was that were unfamiliar with me, you know, several years ago. Yeah, um, I've, I've learned I've learned to be a little bit bolder with like contrasting things prior to weathering. Yeah, and it's uh, I'm I'm finally starting to get it. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. So uh, I'm hoping uh, I can keep uh, keep going down that road and and learning new things and. Between the, the podcast and all the interactions with the listeners and stuff, I'm 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 thinking I'm going to be successful in, in keeping the keeping the uh, the glory hunting at bay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what the the all the interactions with the listeners have really it's it's done the thing that I wanted to from this podcast, and that was the motivate the the continued motivation combined with the accountability to, you know, uh, and nobody's, nobody is emailing me or DMing me uh, to berate me for my slow building. None of the listeners are doing anything of that, but, but there's a little bit of self-motivation that knowing that I'm going to need to get on the podcast and tell people what I've done modeling wise in the last two weeks that does help me continue to add, it adds additional motivation for me making time to get to the bench and get some stuff done. Uh, and, and so if, if, if I got nothing else from the doing the podcast, that's one of the main things I wanted and oh, yeah. I've really gotten it. And then there were all these other wild side benefits of the of getting to know people and getting to interact. I've interacted in the last two years with more modelers 
than I've probably interacted with my entire previous 25 years of modeling. That's yeah, it's possible. I, I believe it. I probably and, have as well. And, and man, modeling can be a solitary hobby. And guys, if you're listening to us and you're not going to contests or you're not getting online and interacting, you're missing something that a adds a great deal of fun to the hobby, but it also, I think actually adds to your skills because you never know when you're talking with somebody and you mentioned something that you're working on, that you want to do, that you want to try, et cetera. It's just like that pink under yellow. I, I don't know that I'd have ever picked up that technique if it hadn't been for the fact that I'm now interacting with a whole bunch more modelers across a, a across an international um, a group of people. And, you know, that I got, when we started this, I sure as heck didn't think that, that any of that was going to happen. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, another thing I've learned is, is you know, I've got this, this list of future projects in my head. Yes. And in painting this catapult for the E16, uh, one thing has come apparent is, uh, you know, the, the, the negative modeling, the, it, I, I hated the breaking stuff and have to repair it. Yeah. But it gave me a, a pause that helped me realize that I did not have a solid plan for, for the painting process of this thing. Um, the, the sub-assemblies, the trolley and the, and the launch mechanism, those were no brainers because those were like, those were like capsule things that were off to the side. Right. But uh, in painting the boom, I've realized that I didn't have a very good plan and I'm still trying to reformulate that. And I've learned that I'm going to have to get better at this because I've got these other projects in mind that they're going to re- require this kind of discipline and, and, and kind of parsing out the sequences of how things are going to get painted and masked and, and progress forward, or they're just going to be a nightmare. Right. Well, and, and, and that, that goes back to what Ed Barreth was talking about in that system, system engineering approach is thinking about the whole thing from beginning to end, not as big chunks, but, each individual tiny thing and how it all fits together or is going to have to be made to fit together. For example, you know, I've got the, the, the entire boom together except for like the left side. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here painting this thing and I'm noticing like, I'm getting this nice shadow under the, the rail on the right side for the, you know, the launch rail that the trolley rides on. Right. Because it's like a C channel, it's overhanging the deck of the catapult, and I'm getting a nice because it's black primer under there, so I'm getting a nice shadow under there. Well, the left side's not on it, so that side's getting getting all the highlight color in the same spot that the other things in shadow. Gotcha. So, so I'm like, well, that looks great, but it's gonna look like shit when I put the other side on it because they're not gonna be the same. <laughs> So now I got to go back and uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to, I got to clamp this side on and finish the painting um, to get rid of those kind of things I didn't think about ahead of time. So I think 
project planning is something I'm, I've, I've learned. I've not learned the planning. I've learned the necessity of the planning well, through this little through this little project. So, well, that's the first step. That's the first step. So, uh, what else have I learned this year? I've learned that, uh, I, like you, building on a schedule. That Musaru Cup build, I got it done. Yeah, and I actually, <laughs> I won the damn thing. Yeah. So, and I can almost guarantee you that I won't. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, I'm I'm competing against six other really fantastic modelers, many of whom, most of whom, are way more skilled than I am. So I'm just it, the win is going to be finishing for me. Well, to to catch no grief for me, you just have to get it done. Uh, good, because that's the that's what that's the bar I'm going <laughs> to clear. <laughs> but I know you wanted to build that kit, so I, yes. you're, you're going to do. You'll do fine. Yep. That was on the list, so they did me a solid. It'll meet your internal standard. Yes. Whether it meets the external standard, you know, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, just get it done. I hear you. See, you, you don't have you don't have the see the Gundam had a had a knob I could turn that you can't. <laughs> yeah, the whole presentation thing. Yes, that's right. Which is really what it boiled down to. Yep. Yeah. I think some people saw that at nationals and were like. Really? What the <laughs> heck, man? <laughs> Maybe not. I hey, don't know. Take the win. The win is the win. Take the I'm, win. I'm, don't, I'm, don't look. I'm taking it. Don't look hey. too deeply. Don't look at the gift horse in the mouth. Just take the win and move on. Well, I'm sure we learned more than that in 2022. We just can't think of it right now. Yeah, well, that's probably true. So, in the coming year, across all potential topics, subject area, genre, whatever. What are you hoping for next year, man? Better, faster. Well, I don't want to go. I don't want, you're going to say stronger. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, that's another reference that Evan will never understand. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, as far as my modeling, I want to get faster faster slash more efficient uh not not needing to do things twice not having done something and then go oh i should have done it this way um uh more efficient faster uh better uh i think my airbrushing is getting better simply from doing it more uh, I've said this yeah. before. I think airbrushing is a skill that is not like riding a bike. It's something that you have to do a lot and regularly to not only get the skill, but also to keep it and keep it fresh. And if, uh, yeah, there's a finesse part of it. Yes. Yeah. Particularly when using like the uh, harder and steam back at very low pressure to do very, very tiny thin work or shading work or, you know, stuff like that. That That is something that I think you get with practice and you lose with, with disuse. So uh, I'm, I think that having airbrushed more this year than I had last year, I think that skill is improving slowly. It's one area where... Um, I want to keep improving. Um, and then I want 
to build cleaner. And by cleaner, I don't mean no weathering. (laughs) What I mean is there are modelers whose models you look at on the table and the build, no matter how it's weathered or anything, the build itself is just clean. The, the, the finish is flawless. There's no dust. There's no hairs. Um, now, again, I've got six pets and uh, four people living in this house. And, you know, outside of building a, 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 a semiconductor clean room, uh, I'm not sure that I can ever, <laughs> ever defeat that completely. But I need to at least work at it more than I do currently. I need to look at my models during the building stage with a more critical eye. And some people have said that that it helps them to photograph the model as as they're doing it. Because you see things in photographs that you don't look at with, or you don't see when you're looking directly at the model, which is counterintuitive. Right. That just doesn't make sense, but it's true. And I'm not sure why it's true, but it is true. And so I'm I may start doing that more, uh, just simply to help myself. Oh, I think the mirror trick works too. Oh, do you? Oh yeah. That's a that's a ship pain tri- tip. Yeah. Oh God, that one goes back a long time, <laughs> way before <laughs> digital cameras. That's right. It does so. So what do you want? Well, like you, I'd like to get more efficient and faster. I just, and I don't think it's once I'm actually doing something at the bench, I don't think that's where my problem is. I think for me, the problem is I've got my workbench. Then I've got an old used to be, used to be our kitchen tables, like 90 degrees off my workbench with all my computer stuff on it. Yes. Where I'm, where I'm doing this right now. Yeah. And it's so easy to face the bench, rotate 90 degrees to the left Get on eBay, get on YouTube, and virtual model for more and, time than I'm actually modeling. Yes. I was actually going to mention this as a possible subject for a future episode because I have my computer, just like you, 90 degrees for my workbench. And I, like you, spend plenty of time. I'm wondering, is it a good idea to have your computer in your hobby room? I'd love to hear what what the listeners think about that. And I'd love to ask these guys who are uh, super good, super efficient builders, if any of them do have the computer or if the computer is somewhere separate. Well, I think some of these guys in our immediate circle of friends uh, are, are, are at a different life point than we are. Yes, that, that is also true. And that's, that's hard to fix. Yeah. Well, you're you're right. That is really hard to fix without without a lot of legal trouble. That's right. So uh, we got we have to work around some different confines than maybe some other people do. Right, and, and a lot of people listening who are in the same situation as us. I mean, we get a lot of comments back about uh, you know our mention of family life and extra extracurricular stuff as as it relates to model building. Yeah. Uh, that we got going on and there's more to, there's more to us than, than this podcast and this hobby. And that's why we don't get a lot done sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, I've got a lot of new tools. I need to think up some projects to do on these things. Um, 
I've got to make better use of my time where I'm sitting right now. I need to be facing 90 degrees the other direction more times than I'm not. And I think to do that, I've got an opportunity because, well, so folks know pretty much uh, our house is on a partial basement. Yeah. About two thirds, maybe three quarters of that partial, partial basement. Uh, about two thirds of that partial basement uh, is my space. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty substantial. It's a lot more than most people have. It's more than I had at my old house. And you saw that workshop. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was nice. Yep. I'm going to move my workbench probably this weekend. I'm going to move it where it is. I've got some work to do down here. I need to move it anyway. Uh, but I think I'm going to rearrange things to where uh, my workbench is against a wall. Instead of teeing off 90 degrees from my workbench, I'm going to move the computer to where I actually have to separate myself from the workbench to get to it. And I'm going to see how that goes. I I would love this is a good a great experiment. I would love to uh, I, I want to see how it comes out because I do think that that there's something to this. Uh, and you know, uh, my computer's a laptop. I can technically move it into the other room. In fact, I you know in the summertime I'll go out and when I'm working from home, sit by the pool outside. Um, so. It's it. It's not that it can't be moved from my hobby room. Um, I'm just wondering, like you, maybe should I move it out of there so it's not its normal home? I think in the coming year, you know, we've talked about this uh, seminar topic. You, you, I would like to do, and you'd like to see me. Do yes, it. yes, folks. I am going to make sure he does this seminar topic. It's he's got a lot of information. Uh, and I think people, people will find it fascinating. So I'm going to, I'm going to push on him in the coming year to put this seminar together so that he can give it, uh, at a future natural nationals or other places. Uh, other than that, I, you know, there's a lot of tools and techniques I want to I'll learn more from going into 2023. But, uh, um, I, I think efficiency, I, I, the podcast, our our podcast, and the interactions we have with the others in public and behind the scenes and at the shows has got me chomping at the bit to get to a lot of these other projects. Yeah, and I want to do so much, but I just can't because I'm I'm hamstrung by a lot of things, and I think some of those things are artificial. Yeah. Well, I was going to say one of the places that I need to be more efficient is in my non-modeling life. Lawyers are, by their very nature, procrastinators. In fact, I used to joke that there was a course that everybody took in law school and nobody remembers it, but every lawyer got got the procrastination chip installed in law school because <laughs> I've, I've met very few lawyers who aren't procrastinators. I am. I know I am. And it is a character flaw that I can fix. Okay, will willpower to and and uh, planning and and you know following some some tips and guidelines to make yourself less of a time waster. Um, 
I am going to dedicate those myself to those in 2023 and see if at least some of the efficiency gained and the, and the time saved procrastinating there can be dumped into the hobby stuff. Like for me, we're talking, you're talking about finishes this year. I'm going to have two. Neither of those was started this year. Yeah. So you kind of see where I'm going with that. (laughs) Well, at least with the Kate, I am going to have started and finished that model in the same calendar year. I'm not going to have one of those. Yeah. Well, what I want is several of those every year. Yes, me too. So goat us on, folks. Yes, absolutely. Hold us accountable. All right. Anything else on this topic, Dave? No, I think that's it. Uh, I could hear your ice clinking. Uh, how, how's that uh, How's that modeling fluid? Well, you know, I've put a lot of water down with it, not in it, but behind it. Right. Uh, the Russell's Reserve 10-year, uh, I highly recommend this. This is really good. Um, you know, this is like challenging my bullet. I was going to say, how's the how is the price point? It's it's pretty similar. Okay, it's a little more expensive, but uh, you know, it's a ten year. I think it's got a little more flavor. Right. It's different because it's not as spicy. Doesn't have as much rye in it as yeah. the bullet does. Yeah. So it's you know it's got a little different palate, but uh, I don't know. It's a little. I think it's a little smoother. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to try. I've never had that before. I'm going to have to try that one. You know, it's uh, it's all gone now, so <laughs> I'll have an opportunity to pass one up, up over the other the next time I go shopping. So there you go, good stuff. There you How's go. How's your Coke? Uh, you know what? My Coke was Coke. Um, the ABV was zero. Um, it tasted exactly like Coke tastes, and uh, got me through the episode, uh, although not quite as. <laughs> Not quite as enjoyable, uh, enjoyably as the normal modeling fluid does, but, uh, you know, catching a little bit of a breather here, uh, working off a few uh, post-Thanksgiving pounds and uh, um, taking a little break is going to help me reboot and come back strong next episode. Well, Mike, we're uh, near the end of the show here. You got any... Uh, Shout outs for anybody? I do. I want to shout out our Patreon and PayPal contributors who make this show possible. Uh, folks, we really appreciate the, the financial help we get for this show. And if you'd like to join the ranks of the folks who've done that, you can do it one of two ways. If you'd like to make a recurring contribution, you can go to www.patreon.com slash plastic model mojo. And there you can, uh, you could get signed up for a recurring contribution from a dollar on up and the Patreon will help take care of the billing for that. And it'll, it'll kind of take care of itself. If you'd like to manage your own contribution or your own recurring contribution or make a one-time contribution, you can go to www.plasticmodelmojo.com, our website. And in the upper right hand corner of the screen, you'll find a heart icon. Now that art icon is to a PayPal me page where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution of your own, whatever amount you like. We appreciate everything everybody's done up until this point. You know, for example, we've recently changed recording platforms and there's an expense associated with that. And, and uh, all our, our financial con- contributors have made, made that 
pretty painless and we've, we've come a long way with that and the show quality is getting better as we learn how to use it. And, uh, thanks for making that possible. Yes. I'd, I'd like to add my thanks as well. You all have, all of you who've contributed, uh, you know, we, you do not know how much we appreciate the, uh, show of support that that represents. Um, it's, it's certainly wonderful and we thank you for doing that. Mike, my shout out is I'd like to shout out the men and women in Ukraine, uh, the citizens of Ukraine. We all see from a distance what they're going through, but we're, we're viewing it from the comfort of wherever we are in front of our computer or in front of our TV. Uh, I cannot imagine actually going through what they're going through. And it just amazes me that all of these model companies in Ukraine not only continue to put out product, but continue to put out new product, release new product under what in essence are wartime conditions. It was driven home to me when I got this ICM kit, and I'm just amazed at the quality of it. I'm amazed the the production values of everything associated with it. If if there's a Ukrainian manufacturer who makes something that you've been thinking about getting, go ahead, make your purchase, you know, buy direct from them or buy even from a distributor because obviously if the distributor purchased something and then it gets bought, that incentivizes the, the distributor to carry more stuff. So, you know, my shout out is to these folks. I I cannot imagine what it is like where they are, particularly with the current challenges in the middle of winter with power and water. So let's let's all keep them in our thoughts and in our prayers, and let's all support them in any and every way we can. I've got one more shout-out. I'd like to shout-out Jim Bates and Scott Gentry. They ran the 72 and 72 over this holiday weekend and uh, allowed us to play along in their little sandbox. Uh, So Mike and I were both able to spend some time, quality time, modeling at our bench, but at the same time, interacting with other modelers all across the world. In fact, uh, it was really neat to to see Ivan Jensen on one of these StreamYard get-togethers. It was like four o'clock in the morning where he was and he was up and at his bench. And I just had the, I just had a great time and I appreciate Scott and Jim for Jim for coming up with the idea, Scott for helping to put it all together and both of them for allowing us to play along. It was great time guys. Ah, sure was man. It It was a blast. Yep. Glad it was a success. The success it was. Yes, me too. Well, Dave, we're getting a little long here, and uh, it's time to wrap this up, man. You know what they say, Mike. So many kits. So little time. I'll see you soon. All right, man. You take it easy. Man.